All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios, like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else, from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hello, friend. This is an episode of Note to Self, but from when we used to be called New Tech City. Same good content, just the old name. Enjoy. This is New Tech City, the show about how technology is changing the way we live. And you're listening to part two of our exploration into the murky new world of reviews and ratings, the reputation economy. Last week, we told you a couple of crazy stories. They said, this is on you to take it down. And if you don't take it down within 72 hours, we're going to fine you $3,500. Jen Palmer paid the price for a bad review. Her family's credit was ruined when a company retaliated against her. And we met the carpet cleaner who had had enough with bad reviews about him on Yelp. Small businesses can be ruined by defamation. Online customer reviews can make and break businesses. But it turns out that we, the customers, are being rated these days, too. And I found out the hard way. Do you think the customer is always right, or does the new technology make things more equal? No, the customer is not always right. It's not. This episode is about the flip side of ratings, when businesses rate their customers. I've also asked my counselor, John Podesta, to lead a comprehensive review of big data and privacy. Well, that comprehensive review happened, and just last week, the White House put out a report on how the massive collection of consumer information could be used against us. We'll reach out to privacy experts. Now the White House is asking Congress to pass new privacy laws. Continue to promote the free flow of information in ways that are consistent with both privacy and security. Because we are being judged by standards that we don't even know about. Everybody's scoring everybody all the time on all kinds of characteristics. Do we all have to live according to a certain model in order to be treated properly in this economy? I started thinking about being rated as a customer because of a peculiar experience that I had. Every place is unique, with its own culture, roads, maps, buildings. What they all have in common, what they all have in common is, is people, people. It's people. People trying to get from one place to another. Okay, a few months ago, I joined Uber, the app-based car service that connects riders with available drivers in their area. On my very first day, I used the service for three different rides. And on the last ride, I learned something upsetting. My driver told me that he almost didn't bother picking me up because I had such a low passenger rating. Okay, first of all, I had no idea there was such a thing as an Uber passenger rating. And second of all, um, a poor rating? Why? I thought back to those two earlier rides that day. Nothing happened that I thought could have warranted a bad rating. I mean, well, the first driver tried to take me to Clinton Street, not Clinton Avenue, and I had to correct him twice. But that happens. Or maybe it was the driver who wanted to chat. A lot. He did seem disappointed when I eventually put on my headphones. But look, neither situation seemed like a punishable offense to me. 
I wasn't abusive. I didn't leave a mess or throw up or something. So I went back to the back seat to do some investigation. Do you want to say your name? My name is uh, Ganyu Salami. Now, when this ride is over, I get to rate you one through five stars, and then you get to rate me, right? We have to do good for each other. You think it's a great idea? Absolutely. It's excellent good. Tell me about when you rate your customers. What do you judge them on? What's your criteria? Let's say you get it inside my car. You're late already. You know you're supposed to be at your job at 10 o'clock. Uh-huh. And you get it inside my car uh-huh. five minutes to 10. And you know it's not possible to get there in five minutes. And you get inside a car and you have a heart to like, oh, it's too much traffic. Oh, you're supposed to go this way. You're supposed to go this way. Definitely have to give you bad stuff. So there's a saying, I'm sure you've heard it, that the customer is always right. Do you think the customer is always right? Or does the new technology make things more equal? No, nah, the customer is not always right. It's not. Okay, agreed. Bad customers, nobody wants them. But I don't like the idea of getting a bad rating just because someone doesn't like my tone or I don't feel like chatting. There's a difference. And University of Denver law professor Nancy Leong says there is a potential to get a bad rating for even less, just for being who you are. Yeah, like for being a certain gender, sexual orientation, or color. Even if they know they're being rated, they don't know why they get a good rating or a bad rating. If they don't know why they're getting poor ratings, that really takes that incentive to be better passengers away or makes it less useful. And what a lot of the social science research has shown is that implicit bias is most problematic when there aren't guidelines, when there's just this unfettered discretion on the part of the person who's doing the evaluation. So, Nancy, you're not the only one to express concern over Uber's rating system. Earlier this month, the Florida Taxi Cab Association called the Uber rating practice dangerous and discriminatory, pointing out that it could have a negative impact on, for example, elderly riders who might need more assistance. The Florida Taxi Cab Association, obviously, they have an angle on this, that they don't want competition from Uber. Sure. And then there's me with my hurt feelings. But do you see any real legal implications for this customer rating system? There is a statute that was enacted after the Civil War in order to prevent discrimination by private parties. And what it essentially says is all citizens of the United States have the same right to make and enforce contracts as white citizens. Well, when a person contacts a company that offers the service of driving passengers from one place to another and indicates their desire to take advantage of that service, that's a textbook example of an effort to make and enforce a contract. All of these rating systems, while they certainly do have advantages, they also have ways in which people can manifest prejudices against various groups, whether they're doing so on purpose or without knowing it. As a researcher, aren't you sort of like dying for all the data that Uber could give you? Oh, I would love to get my hands on that database. I would absolutely love to have that information. And I think a lot of other people would as well. You know, obviously, there's a lot to tease apart there. There are a lot of different variables like the neighborhood that someone was picked up or the time of day or, you know, how long their ride was. And I think it'd be very important to control for all of that, which, you know, is a social scientist's dream. Nancy Leong is a professor at the University of Denver Sturm College of Law. Look, we don't know if Uber's customer rating system is or could be discriminatory. Uber declined an interview but pointed us to a new blog post on its site saying, quote, 
drivers shouldn't have to deal with aggressive, violent, or disrespectful riders. Absolutely! But why can't a driver just report a passenger who acts like that instead of having to rank everyone from one to five stars? And it's not just Uber. Other car services, of course, like Lyft and Halo, do it too. But coming up, other consumer ratings that the White House thinks could impact more than just your taxi ride. At several businesses I've been in the past, we would fire customers. You've always been rated on your credit score, but this goes way past it and around it. And as you'll hear, even right through all the loopholes about credit scores and reporting. New Tech City is supported by LegalZoom. If you've been thinking about starting your own business, LegalZoom can help you do it. Learn more about DBAs, LLCs, incorporation, trademarks, and other ways to protect your business and assets at LegalZoom.com. LegalZoom provides self-help services and can connect you with an attorney, but they're not a law firm. Enter technology in the referral box at checkout for a special discount for New Tech City listeners. Hover, helping you get the best domain names along with all the tools and support you need to manage them. When you want to get your ideas on the internet, Hover will help you find the right domain name to personalize your blog, business, portfolio, or cat videos. For 10% off your first purchase, go to Hover.com and type in the promo code CODEBREAK. Okay, we're back. I'm Anoush Samarodi. This is New Tech City. And we're talking about what happens when you, the customer, get rated and maybe even fired. We would rate customers based on their current profitability as well as their expected profitability in the future. Rungsan Sanaraja is the chief technology officer for a startup called SuperSolver. They help businesses deal with customer reviews. But he used to dream up new products for one of the big banks – his team of scientists built models of customer behavior, ratings galore. Right. So the whole idea being, you know, you may have some customers that are not paying out for you now, but you expect, given their profile, that they'll be worth it in the future. My Uber passenger rating is nothing compared to what a bank may be compiling about you and me. All the big banks are on this. You know, they're all in this, this phase right now where they realize they have tons and tons of data. Like the bank I worked at, 45 petabytes of information. They know there's gold in there. And the question is, you know, what can they do to get at it? And what, are the, what, what type of gold is it? You know, that's the question you get at. Is it the type of gold that – is it gold for the company or is it gold for you? Hopefully it's for both. You could get an offer that you actually want, like double points back on movie tickets with a new credit card. Or maybe they entice you to sign up for overdraft protection because they know statistically – you won't actually need it. You have this certain behavior that defines you in terms of how you spend your money and in what areas, you know, how active are you. And so that determines, it gives a probabilistic assessment of the type of products you're willing to buy. What should we sell you? How much should we charge you? What kind of person are you? Which segment of the population should we slot you into? No one likes to be labeled, but that's what almost any company that's marketing products does is put people in these labeled categories. Like you are a, you know, millennial explorer or, or the um, stay-at-home uh, Gen Xer. And if you don't fit into a desirable category... At several businesses I've been in the past, we would fire customers. Yep. Banks are firing, dropping customers based on predictions that you or I won't be worth their time and money. 
But here's the thing. Since 2003, you can, under the law, get one free credit report per year. So if you think the bank was wrong or discriminating against you, you could at least get a look at your credit rating and fight back. Looking for a home or just getting your financial house in order? Then it's time to check your credit report. Good news. It's free. It wasn't always like this. The first federal law to regulate the use of personal information by private businesses passed in 1970. It's called the Fair Credit Reporting Act. The act put an end to credit agencies having no accountability. Because boy, did they need it. By the late 1960s, abuse was rampant. The people who were compiling your credit profile were checking your debt history, sure, but also collecting lifestyle information. That means things like, and I'm quoting the Electronic Privacy Information Center here, sexual orientation, marital status, drinking habits, and cleanliness. I like the cleanliness. And those things could be used against you for a loan application or who knows what. But now, because of the Fair Credit Reporting Act, the credit agencies can't judge you on your personal picadillos. But think about it. Sexual orientation, marital status, drinking habits, even cleanliness. That's all stuff that you have probably already volunteered to tell Facebook or revealed to Google through their search box. The score is not subject to the Fair Credit Reporting Act. Meet Robert Gelman. Bob is fine. Okay, Bob Gelman advises companies and the government on data privacy and fairness. He just co-authored a report for the World Privacy Forum called The Scoring of America, How Secret Consumer Scores Threaten Your Privacy and Your Future. He says it's not just our credit rating that should be regulated. There's a job security score. This one happens and has a consumer profitability score. There are donor scores that predict... A consumer score is any metric. It could be a number, like a credit score, or it could be a rating. Any categorization, really, of you. There's one score we cite in the report where they use 1,500 different factors. It could be your age... It could be the number of credit cards you have. It could be where you live. Some of the characteristics may not be personal. It could be based on any of the information that you've ever disclosed to almost any kind of merchant. And they just crank all these numbers into an algorithm and try and make predictions about which factors are most important in predicting whatever it is they're trying to figure out. Predictions of what you'll buy if you'll click on ads. Be a big spender or just a high-maintenance tightwad? Most of us know our credit score. You can find it out anytime, but not these new scores. A lot of these scores are proxies for things that ought to be regulated or are regulated under the Fair Credit Reporting Act. And they can make a difference to whether you have uh, any rights. And there's there's another concern here, um, and and this is important. Uh, We don't know what's going into a lot of these consumer scores. So we don't know what the algorithms are. We don't know what the data that's going in. And a score, the same way that a score can be a proxy for financial capabilities, a score can be a proxy for other things. And the other things could be race or ethnicity. I mean, in a way, isn't this just marketing in a world of big data? Not everything about consumer scores is necessarily sinister. Should I send you an offer for McDonald's or for a steakhouse? Some of the decisions are a big deal. Some of them are not a big deal. Um, But the secrecy here is the big deal. So I guess my question is, in the report, you say that these consumer scores are not necessarily bad or good, but you just say that there should be more transparency. Right. You're being measured against some standard. You don't know what the standard is. 
I guess what I find so interesting about this is that bygones are never bygones in this tech age. You missed a payment or you were a little bit rude in a taxi ride. Things that would have just sort of gone into the past no longer do that in this new digital age. They are recorded, they are compiled, they are compounded and fed into the algorithm. Well, I think there's some truth to that. I think that everybody's scoring everybody all the time on all kinds of characteristics. Do we all have to live according to a certain model in order to be treated properly in this economy? Is that the future that we face? That future that we're facing, one based on crunching personal big data, is what the White House is trying now to put parameters on. And the White House is now calling for new data privacy laws, saying, and I'm going to quote here, The detailed personal profiles held about many consumers, combined with automated, algorithm-driven decision-making, could lead, intentionally or inadvertently, to discriminatory outcomes or what some are already calling digital redlining, unquote. Redlining, that phrase from the 1960s that described when banks would literally draw red lines on maps around black and poor neighborhoods so they knew what areas to avoid. Going back to my most recent brush with the effects of consumer rating and personal data, my drives with Uber. When the app was first introduced in New York, I talked to Stacy Marie Ishmael. She's a techie here in New York, and she's an advocate for minorities. And as a black woman, she was a big fan of the service. I think one of the advantages of these kinds of apps is they remove the uncertainty that you face that a cab driver will pass you by because they're profiling you based on how you look, expecting that you will maybe want to go to the outer boroughs like Brooklyn or Queens or, you know, sort of more nefariously potentially be a criminal. A criminal has this, and and you feel like you've I experienced this. I've definitely experienced the you're out late and you're trying to get a, a cab and you're the one with the strategic spot and you are getting passed by or you and your group of friends are getting passed by for sort of people who look less less brown. <laughs> now, after months of rides, Stacy isn't an anonymous passenger. She's got an Uber profile. She's got a rating, but she isn't worried. This is just how businesses operate now. It's part of the deal of the reputation-based economy, which is that you know ratings aren't one-sided. And this has actually been going on for a long time. Like on eBay, there are buyer ratings and seller ratings. And she thinks this isn't that different. And for me, I see it as a fair trade-off. If I'm able to give feedback about the experience of my driver, I would pretty much expect a reciprocal giving of feedback on my behalf. You know, if I'm a terrible passenger, it's only fair that other drivers know about that. Easy to say, as long as the ratings are fair. But how will we know? I'll spare you more yakking from atop my transparency soapbox. Last week, my husband said that I went on too long, waxing lyrical about data, privacy, and the law. But it's important. It is really important stuff. Okay, but before we go, this week is National Screen-Free Week. So cute. My parents' local library is offering arts and crafts and extra story time to kids to keep them off their parents' laptops or their own phones. Love it. Next week, we here at New Tech City are looking at how technology has affected sleep through the ages. When that happened, people would sometimes say they felt a kind of crystal clear consciousness when they were awake that was not familiar to them. And it it made me wonder if any of us knows what it's really like to be awake, fully awake, with our degree of sleep debt that we carry around. 
You're going to learn some amazing things about your body, guaranteed. And the show is part of WNYC's Sleep Data Project. I'll be doing a digital detox, no phone in the bedroom, no screens, an hour before sleepy time. You can join me by going to wnyc.org sleep or just go to newtechcity.org. I'm Manoush Samarodi. Thank you so much for listening to New Tech City. Oh, it's too much traffic. Oh, you're supposed to go this way, you're supposed to go this way. Definitely have to give you bad stuff.